Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I'm your host, David Coyle. And today we're trying a new short segment called What's New, where I catch up with one of our previous guests to see what new songs they've put out recently. Today I'll be talking with Nicole Wagner, who was featured in Episode 7 of Season 2. This was a special co-write episode that was, in fact, pulled from a live streaming co-writing session we had done in two hours on Facebook. Uh, a highly unusual set of circumstances. <laughs> this time we'll get to discuss how Nicole works under more normal circumstances. So without further ado, let's find out what's new with Nicole Wagner. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the show. Hey, David, thanks for having me. You bet. So yeah, that uh, that co-write <laughs> back in January, you know, I, I want to just start off by saying, uh, I can't get anybody to do those with me anymore. Thank you for doing those. I had a really a whole lot of fun doing those, um, but nobody nobody else wants to do them. So I had like five oh, that's people. That's a bummer. Those are fun. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. I had a couple that just kind of went really. Uh, I mean, one went really bad. A couple of them didn't turn out very good songs, maybe. But uh, the one that we did, I thought that was that was tremendous fun, and I thought we came out with a really good song too. So so thanks for doing that. I really appreciate it. But. Let's get let's cut to the chase here. Since then, what have you been up to? Well, um, I'm writing a lot of songs and more importantly, recording those songs, working on a follow up record. So full length, um, currently yet to be titled, but it's got mostly songs that I wrote during the kind of worst parts of the pandemic and a few older songs that just hadn't found a home previously. Um, so that's something I've been spending a lot of time on. Otherwise, um, gigging a little bit as conditions allow. Yeah. And swimming a lot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, how, how, how late into the year can you swim in the Austin area? Year round. Oh, you're right. Okay. So um, yeah, Barton Spring is open year round and it's 68 degrees regardless of the day. So when it's okay. cold outside, it's just difficult to get out. Nice. Nice. Hey, I also, I want to be sure we don't neglect to point out that you released a music video um, a couple yes. months ago, right? So, or maybe a month ago, it was pretty recent. Yeah. Um, so that's actually the first single on this record that we're still figuring out what we're going to call it. Um, but that single was Monsters. And we've been recording the record a little bit piecemeal to make sure that we're giving each song kind of time to breathe in between previous records I've made. We've done, you know, three or four days just straight in the studio all together doing all, all of the songs on the record. And that's great, but it also can fly by really fast. So we decided to take a different tact and record a couple songs at a time, get those finished, and then move on to the next set which really opens it up because you have time to sort of breathe in between and you're not, you know, making decisions day three after being in the studio for 16 hours that day, hungry and tired and cranky and like yeah. having to make decisions about creative things. Now, how does that, so, how does that, how does that affect though? The, um, like the, the coherence of the songs as they, I mean, does that affect that? I mean, do you feel like, I mean, if you record them all at the, the same time, like one right after the other, I imagine they all kind of have a similar quality to them. But I mean, does do you worry about that kind of changing if you take a break between them? 
Not really. Um, I'm working with the same producer that I've used for the previous records, Justin Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, one, he's just incredible. He's a great producer, a great engineer, and a really good friend. So under his guidance, I don't have to think about those things, really. I know it's going to sound good when we get them all together. Okay. We're working in a, in the same studio space each time. So it's not like we're moving around and doing things kind of super piecemeal. It's just, we're doing them a couple at a time. So there will be differences in vibes because we're using different drummers or, you know, different bass players and so forth, but they're all really complementary to each other. And I think it'll make it a more interesting record versus having just that one, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you plan I'm to really release... try it this way? Well, I think it's definitely worth a try. That's for sure. And and uh, I like the results so far. Do, do you have any plans to release any more uh, music videos or, or singles? Yes. Actually, um, the first week of November is when the next single comes out. Nice. Um, there's a video for that one as well. It's called, called Raised by Wolves. And that will be premiered on American Songwriter. And then the single will drop later that week. So November 5th for the single. All right. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Well, let's let's jump into what we've we've got you here for, which is uh, you've you've written some new songs, yes. and uh, I wanted to, to to jump into that. So the the first song we have here from you is uh, "Plastic Flowers," a new song by Nicole Wagner. Here we go.
That was Plastic Flowers, a new song by Nicole Wagner. And uh, this is one that uh, you recently wrote. And because uh, I'd asked you, I asked you to bring in a song that you had recently wrote to get kind of a fresh perspective on on what the process was. So, uh, by the way, I want, I want to say right off the bat, I, I just I, I really love that uh, the, the chord change that you do going into the chorus. I think that is just I don't know that that really flips me out and and whatnot and I think it's interesting that you you do the instrumental parts there instead of a chorus on a couple occasions. Um, I'm curious what the decision process was for that, uh, and but but just this is this is a this is a, a as as a standard with you this is a very heartfelt song, and uh, it has has depth to it and. Uh, what, what, why don't you tell us about, you know, how did you write this song? How did it come about? Yeah, um, this one's actually really typical of my process and the one that works for me, which is to kind of, when you're out and about and somebody says something or you think about something, just jot it down real quick. Um, I have like a shortcut on my phone that I can email myself and everything that gets sent to that email address just shows up in a big list so I can thumb back <laughs> through the... Uh, kind of the parts bin, as it were, or the idea space. And when I'm ready to sit down and write a song, start pulling things out of there. Um, so several of these um, verses were actually things that existed kind of as different ideas to different songs. And as I started going through the parts bin and thinking about kind of what I wanted to, looking for something that matched what I was kind of feeling at the time, hmm. a bunch of things jumped out. And so I, you know, laid them all out on kind of my work board and started moving them around, looking for how they might fit together, um, which is how this ended up without a chorus. It's got a B section musically, but there's not any repeat um, like you would expect from like a, a rousing pop song kind of chorus thing. Oh, sure. So, okay. So the B section is not, you don't consider that to be a chorus. That's interesting. So it's sort of a chorus, but it's very much, um, they could e just as easily be additional verses. Sure, 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 sure. I don't know that they do kind of what we expect a chorus to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think it works pretty well as a chorus. I, I think, I you know, because there's different, you know, there, there are certain types of songs where you expect it to be this super duper, you know, hooky chorus. But this is kind of a somber song. It's not really something that I think needs to have. I mean, you're, you're creating a mood and I think you successfully create a mood. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes like something really catchy and hooky could actually take you out of that mood. Um, Though, I mean, obviously there are ways to do that, that would be, uh, and not to say that this isn't, doesn't have hooks to it or anything. That's not what I'm trying to say, but what, well, what do you, how do you feel about it? I mean, do you feel like you wanted to add a, a chorus to it? That was a little bit more of a traditional chorus. As 
you know, as I've finished writing it as a first draft, it hung out for a while and I lived with it to see if I thought that it needed it, if I thought that I could come up with something that was better than what I had. Mm-hmm. I did tweak some of the lines. I rearranged the verses after it was done kind of as a first draft. Um, I made a lot of little edits, but at the end of the day, nothing felt, it didn't feel like it was asking for that big moment where it comes together and it crystallizes around an idea. Yeah. And having just come out of recording uh, dance songs for the apocalypse a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah. And most of those songs on that record don't actually have choruses. Um, we had to pick a song with like a super heavy chorus just to kind of balance out the two I kind of feelings. Um, Ambulance Blues has no chorus. Uh, the Rilo Kylie song, Better Son or Daughter, has no chorus. Um, and life during wartime sort of has a chorus, but it's more of a B section as well. Mm -hmm. It changes every time. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of like songwriting and the songwriters that I really admire, um, like Jason Isbell will write a chorus, but it changes just enough each time. So you get kind of a new perspective on that chorus and I wasn't trying to do that with this song particularly, but I love when songwriters do that because it really drives the song forward in a way that you weren't expecting. Well, how do you feel about the instrumental sections? Do you feel like, now are those kind of like placeholders, like where you imagine putting, you know, maybe like you're going to have like a solo or something that goes there that's a little bit more intricate, or do you feel like that's, that's where it is right now is just kind of, that's the spot. So this is a studio rough. Um, it's my scratch vocals and guitar over the drums and bass that we've recorded to kind of get the basis of the track done. Uh-huh. Um, next week, we're going in and working on both of these songs, adding guitar parts, um, maybe some keys, freshening up the um, acoustic guitar bits, getting like a good track of those. Um, and then maybe even doing vocals, depending upon how much time we have left. Oh, so, so these are is... really like in the process of being finished. Oh, okay. So these are okay. So this is this is actually uh, you're already going to the studio for this. So this is uh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like the the drums sounded pretty good. Um, are those is are those canned drums or did you do you have a real? Was, they those are real drums? not canned drums. Um, yeah, Gregory Clifford is the drummer on that track. So this is actually a song that you've already kind of plotted out a kind of a soundscape and a, and a production scheme. You know mm-hmm. you're going to be adding things here and there. So this is uh, so so that's interesting. So so is this pretty much the way that you wrote it, or have you have you adjusted it specifically for the for the production process? Um, we did add that instrumental kind of break in mm-hmm. between. Okay. Um, some of that was actually from a live decision, just uh, from the standpoint of playing the song live. We tried out and auditioned a couple different ways to do that break and maybe some different chords or like kind of taking it someplace totally different. One, it didn't suit the song. And two, just from a practicality standpoint, a lot of my songs can be a little difficult to learn as like the first run. Sure. From like a, the perspective of a live band, having a song that has just two distinct parts 
and isn't different just for the sake of being different. There's a lot of my songs that change like time signatures um, or have a kind of odd things about them. Mm -hmm. So when we can get away with it, it's nice to kind of straighten things back out a little bit so that my band doesn't like, you know, kill me in rehearsals. So, so you've actually, you've actually done several rehearsals with this, this song. It's not, you haven't just laid down this track and you're going to kind of work it out in the studio, but you've all gotten together as a full ensemble and gone over the song a few times. Yes and no. Um, when it came to the doing the studio recording, that's very much like I sent the demo and the drummer and the bass player listened to it, made some notes, got their ideas. I had already worked heavily with Justin to kind of talk about what I wanted to hear in it, where I wanted it to go, how it would fit into the rest of the record as I was envisioning it. Mm -hmm. And of course, the things he brings to the table are always really great. So that wasn't ever rehearsed. Okay. My live band and I do this song as well. And so the live in the studio band are different groups of people. Do you try to reproduce what you do on stage in, in this recording or are you pretty much just giving them all free reign to, to do in the studio something different? In the studio, I pretty much always like to give the musicians that we bring in as much latitude as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. There'll be a few things that are like, it absolutely has to do this. But by and large, the magic of the studio comes from letting people just be really good at what they're good at. This is pretty far along. I'm looking forward to hearing how it how it turns out. So when do you yeah. expect to have this? When do you think you'll probably have this all worked out? Like I said, we're doing guitars and maybe keys next week. Vocals, maybe next week as well. Just really depends on how far we get in the studio day. Mm -hmm. And you know, the other fun thing about doing it this way is you get a lot of time to live with the track as it's, get, as it's built. Sure. And this has happened in the past for songs I've written too, where I knew there were parts of it that I was like, I could live with that line. And then like the day of the studio, like when we go in to do the vocals, it's like, oh, there's the line. That line goes here instead. Oh, and so okay. up until you record the vocals, you've got a lot of latitude for change again. Like you can, you can change verses, you can change words, you can change delivery. It lets it really come together organically instead of, again, being, this is your six hour window to record a song, go. Well, this this makes me curious because I, I think um, uh, different different artists have different different feelings about this. But when you have that recording done, do you consider that to be a final version? Is that the version that is forever and ever? Or uh, you know, some some artists, I think, even after they do an official recording, they they still consider it something that they'll tweak you know over and over again as as time goes on. Um, I wouldn't say that I consider them final set in stone forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. They're definitely more set in stone. Um, there's been a few songs, especially from like my first EP that we did do all in one day from start to finish that as I started playing those songs out more, as I started playing them with a band, as I just kind of grew into being an artist, uh -huh. I made changes to, um, there was a lot of tweaks to the delivery of like the chorus on a song called pennies 
Mm-hmm. And some of that came out of actually from song school, working with Vance Gilbert and taking his suggestions and kind of making them fit the song for me. And it really made the song better. Um, and then we re-recorded one of the other songs from that record, that first record for the full length record, um, Fires of Pompeii. Oh, okay. And Great there song, were definitely, way. oh, thank you. Um, there were definitely some changes in the speed at which we we played it, um, it got a much better groove the second time around, really kind of grew into that in a way that I wasn't able to envision when I first wrote it. And then we also were able to get a guest vocalist on it. Um, when I wrote it, I had envisioned it as a duet, but then of course I typically play solo. So I just was singing all the parts anyway. So we were able to get Rod Picot to come in and, well, we sent it to Nashville, but anyway, he recorded the the duet part on it. So it, again, really kind of shifted the song and made it more of a conversation, which is what it was in my mind. It just didn't get to be that on the first record. Sure, sure. And that was, by the way, that that was the, if I recall correctly, isn't isn't that the first song that you ever wrote? It Fires is. Fires of Pompeii? And that's a, that's like a killer first song, by the way. So, um, so yeah, check out definitely check out that album. And what's the name of that album again? And the sky caught fire. And the sky caught fire. So, well, hey, let's. Um, we got another song here. You brought in a second song. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. This one's called Everything, and I'm I'm definitely interested in talking to you about this because it's a. You said it was a co-write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, since we, the last, uh, episode that we did, we, uh, we did a co-write, uh, it, we were very unusual under uh, very unusual circumstances. I'm definitely interested in, uh, hearing what your normal co-writing process is like. So let, let's take a listen to this. this. This song is called everything and it's a new song by, uh, Nicole Wagner. And who's, who's the co-writer? Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith. Okay. This is everything by Nicole Wagner, but written by Nicole Wagner and Aaron Smith. Ask too many questions, keep secrets to yourself, bid you had the best intention. became a nightmare 
That was Everything, a new song uh, by Nicole Wagner and Aaron Smith. So this one's this one's uh, even a little bit further along in the production process, uh, it sounds like, because you had that 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 bass in there. Um, it sounded great, by the way. Uh, this is this is a really cool song. Um, so, but this is a co-write, and uh, I, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear about it. What's what's your normal? Or not to say that this was necessarily normal, but but how did the co-write go about in in this situation? Yeah, um, I think normal just depends on the co-writer for me. Sure. Um, like with my friend Terry Klein, whenever we get to write together, write a song, we like usually start from total scratch. Mm-hmm. We'll bounce ideas off each other until something sticks, and then we'll probably have some cookies because his wife makes some amazing cookies, <laughs> and then we'll write a song. Um, with Aaron, the process is a lot different. Um, Aaron is really, really good at kind of steering the ship once it's already, like, once I've got some ideas, um, he's really good at helping me, like, solidify where I'm going and then also bringing a new perspective to the, to the lyrics. And he does really cool things with melody and chords and he's a fantastic guitar player. So it brings that whole extra set of skills to the table. Um, so I've been taking Aaron's songs that I've started and I don't know how to finish. Um, we had written one together previously that I'd been kicking around for like several years about my grandfather. And I knew it had some, I knew it had some good, parts but I didn't know how to make them fit and I gave him the parts and told him the story about my grandfather and a couple months later he emailed me was like I got a song finished and he sent it to me and it was just I I was gobsmacked with Mm -hmm. how perfect it was for what I was trying to achieve and wasn't able to on my own um so it's just it's a very different process with the two people that I co-write with most. Um, but that's how Aaron's night's process work is we tend to kind of get something halfway there before we start working on it. Also there's distance. He lives in Arkansas. So a lot of times it's, oh. um, we'll get to work on something together for like a couple hours when one of us is passing through town and then the rest of the time it's more digital based. Um, so do you, 
So that that that's an interesting question there about um, long distance collaboration like that. Uh, so if um, so, you get about halfway there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever both kind of been working on it at the same time and found that you're going in completely different directions or anything like that? If we have, he hasn't told me. He hasn't. Oh. Well, do you um, do you send your when you make a when you when you add something to it? Do you immediately send it to him, or do you? I mean, is it how quickly do you communicate after you've been working on the song uh, independently? Um, I would say pretty quickly afterwards. Um, and the way that I tend to write is in fits and spurts. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not it'll be kind of kicking around in my head for a while and I might write down some ideas that I think might go with it, but I won't sit down to like work on the song as it were until I've got enough time. And I'm, I'm very, I, it's not superstition. It's just, I've, I gotta have like the right brain space mm-hmm. to sit down and work on something that I've already started. Um, so I think we, you know, communicate pretty quickly afterwards. And I think there's also a bit of an understanding at the be- beginning of writing a song, which one of us is going to take it. Hmm. Um, not that it's not both of our songs, but like, I think it, on this one specifically, it was pretty clear when we started that, like, I wanted to finish this song for me. Mm-hmm. And I was going to start performing it. And I don't know that he had the same um, attachment to it that I did. Hmm. So on this one, like if he thought of anything else that was totally outside what what ended up here, I think he, I don't think he sent me anything change wise um, outside of, you know, what if we did this? What if it kind of did this instead? What about maybe like, considering this melody line. Um, so lyrically, I think it pretty much stuck with where we left it and then stuff I added. So have you ever had, uh, uh, with Aaron, it sounds like you, you both will bring in ideas that have already been percolating. Do you, have you ever, has, has one of you ever brought in an idea that, that originated with them and then the other person pretty much just became so attached to it that it that it 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 shifted over to being their song in emphasis or you know um that hasn't happened yet um i think also part of it is that i tend to call in co-writers when i'm stuck on something that i think has has value oh okay okay um, so do you see co-writing as kind of a, more of a tool to help you when you, when you're unstuck or I guess your other co-writer, you start from scratch. That's a little different. Yeah. yeah. And both of those songs that we worked on a couple of years ago ended up being songs that I would go on to record. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's kind of, you, there's a feel when you leave the room whether or not like what you've written is going to vibe for somebody um, in their live set or I'm also not the most prolific writer. Mm-hmm. So. Well, this year you've I been, think, you've been writing a bunch. I've been writing a bunch this past year, but that's, it's very new. 
Hmm. Um, How does that feel? How does that feel? Do you feel like you're stretched out? Do you feel like you're, you're run a little thin or do you feel like you're just inspired? Um, I've had more time at home. I've had less gigs. So there's just a lot less running and it's kind of nice to have some downtime after a couple years of putting a ton of ideas into the parts bin and being able to pull them out with some space and distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2018 and 2019, I wrote like one song each year. Oh, wow. So it's, okay. Yeah. I, I can be a really slow writer. Um, and part of that is being busy. And part of that is not putting the time in sometimes, but I'm always collecting ideas and thinking about kind of how these things might go together and kind of thinking up just you know melodies and chord progressions and stuff so when i do sit down to write there's something to start with um and for this one i had actually done um i don't know if you're familiar with like the cut up method of songwriting um i'm familiar with cut up methods for poetry I, i'm i'm guessing it's similar, i'm sure but, it's but how exactly does it... the same thing yeah yeah like you get a you get a poem and you kind of like you cut it up into different bits and pieces and then you move them around yeah and see what what pops out of that and so i was doing that and got um several of the lines that made it into the chorus that promised to be broken and a ship that's lost at sea and then those went back into the parts bins i didn't know where they would i didn't know where they would fit um I had the idea, you know, don't ask too many questions, keep your secrets to yourself, um, was written down years ago. I couldn't tell you from where, but so that was super compelling. And I was like, that needs to come out. That needs to be written. So, okay. So there, there's an element of randomness here to your writing technique is what you're saying. If I'm understanding correctly now, so, so when you're picking out the lines that you use kind of as cutups that you kind of put down there. Are, I mean, are you picking out lines? I think earlier you said that you you collect these lines and then, uh, I mean, do you pre-select them based on the mood and then you put them down at a semi-random fashion? Or are you taking all of the stuff in your toolbox and laying it down in kind of a random fashion and then you're just taking out the stuff that doesn't fit? When I sit down and write a song, I sit down and start playing guitar and kind of see what feels right for that day um, and get kind of a, a groove going and then start thinking about what does this make me feel like what, and also checking with myself, like what things do I feel like I need to get out? Mm-hmm. And from there, I can usually go into the parts bin and find those pieces. So it starts with like, okay, what, what matches this vibe in terms of like, things I want to say. Okay. This song ended up kind of going um very uh I was thinking a lot about times in my life where I had been told to not ask questions that whatever was happening that I was watching with my own eyes happening wasn't actually happening. Basically being gaslit um by people I cared about. Sure. And so I knew that that's where I wanted to to start. 
And I knew that the ship that was lost at sea line came into that from a feeling of that's what it feels like when you're being gaslit. Hmm. But then also kind of things that were about kind of directed at somebody. Um, you know, I always knew we'd end up here was another line that came from that um, kind of parts bin. The It Sounds Strange When You Say My Name was from, actually, it was from a song that I wrote years ago in Steve Seskin's co-writing class that I loved that line. And then the song ended up not being something that fit long-term in my set. Huh. So I kind of parts that out and put it back in the bin too. So you're okay. So that's, so how much of your bin is actually recycled cannibalized from, other songs? <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. No. Cause I, cause that's, I, I always find that fascinating. Cause I feel, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm really resistant to that. I feel, I feel bad. I feel like I'm, 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 I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like I'm, you know, cutting up my babies or something. And, 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 but other people are, are totally fine with that. And, and I respect that, but, um, just, just talk to me a little bit more about that. How does that, how does that feel? Okay. So two things. One, I am that person who still has like stickers from her childhood on a sheet because I couldn't figure out what to put them on. Okay. But so, you know, I was thinking about song lyrics, like those stickers that once I used them on something, they couldn't be used again. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, that was stopping me from writing songs. Mm -hmm. And I was just keeping all my song parts in my song bin, waiting for the perfect time to use them. And there's never a perfect time. Like they might fit really well in that song and there might be some lines that never get used again, but it was keeping me from trying things and keeping me from writing songs. Sure and getting through them. And that was yeah. one of the things I think that let me write so many songs last year is that I really worked on letting go of that. Every song has to be something you're going to record. Um, like when we made in the sky caught fire, we used all the songs I had, like literally every song I had ever written made it onto that record. Hmm. Um, because I was not writing very many songs and they were all fine songs, but also it felt like if I wanted to put another record out with any sort of speed, I needed to write more songs and write more songs and write more songs yeah. and let go of some of like, the, not the preciousness of it, but let go of the idea that I couldn't reuse a line if I really liked it sure. and I didn't like the song it ended up in. The thing that really drove it home for me is I remembered that on um, Fleetwood Max Say You Will, there's two songs on that record and both of them have one of the same sets of lines that Stevie Nicks wrote. And like, oh. she's one of my all time heroes. Okay. Like if Stevie Nicks can use the same same verse on, this, on two different songs on the same record, like, <laughs> I can reuse this song lyric that is in a song that I'm not playing out anymore that yes, it was on an EP, but like, it's not super available. It's, it's okay to reuse things when it, when it's necessary or when it feels right, or to, to give that line that you really liked a better life someplace else. I like it. I like it. It's more copy and paste than it is like that song still has that line. Yeah. They yeah. Yeah. Both yeah. Have that line. 
Well, you know, it's also something that, uh, you know, it could be something that just becomes a signature line, you know. You know, I, li- I listened back to somebody like Chuck Berry, and he had like a signature riff that he did. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nobody nobody goes, I mean, nobody says that he was copying himself. I mean, or maybe some people do, but it's like, no, that's just what, you know, that's just what he did. And so you may have some lines that are the same or similar. And yeah, uh, those just kind of carry over because they that's the mood that you're producing. So... So the rest of the song um, was written kind of from having those pieces and knowing that I wanted to incorporate those pieces and then figuring out how they all fit together and creating new stuff to fill in those gaps. Um, Aaron brought uh, the idea of a head-on collision in slow motion mm-hmm. to the party. And I just loved that line that, you know, everything is happening and when you're being in that situation, like it's just impossible to stop too. Um, you can't do anything about the situation. And uh, he also had the idea to repeat those last two lines of each verse. Hmm. So the warped lens with a twisted perception um, was the first one that he brought kind of like, what if we said this twice? What if it drove home the point? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's really just, piecing together as you are thinking about a song. This one also took several weeks to finish up. Um, The second verse, we left it with the first verse and the chorus. And I had maybe the first three lines of the verse and we didn't have anything from the chorus when we started writing it together. Okay. and we left it there and we knew like, okay, this is cool. It's got a good groove. This is something that we want to maybe finish. Um, and then the second two verses ended up taking a lot of like walking the dogs around the neighborhood and humming it to myself in the shower and thinking about it while swimming and letting things sort of marinate and really sorting through what exactly needed to be in the song and what exactly didn't need to be in the song. There were several other verses that I wrote that didn't make, they didn't make it off the page. They didn't make mm-hmm. it even just send to Aaron and say like, Hey, what do you think of this? It was, they were too repetitive of the same kind of content, um, you know, and working through again, and then parting out those verses saying like, okay, this is too much like this other verse, but like, I really like this line. So that's going to stay here and that's going to stay in the song, even though this rest of the verse isn't going to. Now, how did this break down? Um, so, I mean, uh, you've talked a lot about the lyrics, but from the, from a, like a chord progression standpoint, how did you all develop them? I had something that was pretty similar to the verse chord progression mm-hmm. when we sat down Um but it really needed some refinement. So Aaron came up with um, one, the dropping of the, I guess it's a B minor, um, on the second round through the progression. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an uneven, un- unsteady feel. And then um, also, the changing of the melody in the second part of the verse hmm. so that it wasn't just do, 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 you know, mm-hmm. do, 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 
do, do, do, do, do. It, it, it would have been very kind of same samey sure had that change not happened um and it really kind of opened up where the chorus could go at that point because we had widened our parameters and that ended up um what he had originally suggested for that i lived with for a while and the way his brain works with melody is so amazing um that it gave me a lot of different opportunities and places to go with it and i ended up picking what worked best for me and my voice mm -hmm. but i know that if he did the song it would our choruses especially would diverge substantially Oh, interesting. So finding a comfortable melody for, for all involved, that's, that, that's something that, uh, I guess you're at risk of if you're writing it separately, huh? It's a risk, but at the same time, I think it's, it makes, you know, each version of the song its own. Mm -hmm. And does um, he have a, does he have a version that he plays that's, that's a little bit different or? I don't know if he's playing it right now. He's not, He's been working on a record um, for the past couple of years, so I don't think he's gigging out as much. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, and he's really focused on getting this amazing record out. How about just in general when you do a co-write? Have you found that the um, your co-writer when they when they play the song, it's it's noticeably different, or how how does that play out? Absolutely. Um, I think Dynamite is probably the only one that's like pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Um, but Terry Klein and I wrote a song called Yellow Butterfly and his version of it is completely different than mine. Hmm. He's got a guitar lick that he plays and it's a much faster speed. It's very, um, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's, it's a very different song. And, and how's that make, how do you feel about that? Is that, you, Oh, you, it's you, fantastic. I love okay. when he pulls it out. Well, one other thing I just wanted to ask you was just, you said you, you, you tend not to you said you characterized yourself as not not super prolific, at least not until this year. When do you decide to start writing a song? What is the, you know, if you're writing one song a year, what is it that actually gets you motivated? Um, it's usually not motivation so much as as space. Mm -hmm. Um, I was finding that I was writing a lot in Nashville when I would go visit and it wasn't because Nashville's got something magical in the water, although they probably do. <laughs> um, it was more that I was more surrounded with people who valued songwriting. Um, and given the time and space during the day to actually like sit down and do the thing. Um, I end up being pretty busy here in Austin especially in the years after that first record came out, I was gigging a lot, working a full-time job, um, freelancing sort of part-time, also trying to have some semblance of a personal life. Um, so I just wasn't ending up with very much time to do, do the things. Hmm. And it felt very much like I wanted to have enough time to get something on a song versus rushing through it. And I was still in the mindset too of like, you can't reuse things. So like, it's gotta be the right thing. You've got to put it in the right spot. 
And I was really focused on that. And that type of writing takes a lot of time. You need to have, you know, several hours carved out for yourself without the dogs interrupting, without the washing machine needing to be <laughs> transferred over and without the, you know, doorbell ringing and all the other things. So you got to get kind of almost like a meditative situation there. You got to get that, just have calm. That's how it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, letting go of the idea that things couldn't be reused or that they had to go in the perfect spot made it uh -huh. a lot easier to just sit down and see what happened. You know, sit down with the intention of writing a song or with the intention of um, playing some music just for the hell of it. And then, you know, playing a couple songs that I knew and loved and kind of wandering into writing a song instead mm. of feeling like, here are my six hours, I'm going to write a song. I'm really looking forward to seeing where both these songs go. I think they're both really cool and, uh, and sounds like you're, you're coming along. So, um, when do you, when do you expect the album to be done since you're doing kind of, or, or do you just have no specific end date at this point? We're looking at kind of having it done by the end of the year with a release tentatively spring of 2022. All right. Um, you know, this year has taught us that we really need to be, flexible um i wouldn't want to put out another record in a situation where i wasn't able to gig it and you know do some traveling around it sure um putting out dance songs for the apocalypse in the middle of may was in retrospect terrible timing <laughs> um but it felt like it needed to be out before we hit the actual apocalypse so i went with it and um Zero out of 10 wouldn't release a record in the pandemic again. Well, hey, we're getting towards the end here. So um, this is this is your chance to to plug whatever you got coming up. And I don't, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, uh, Dance Songs for the Apocalypse or, or or where you can find your music in general, uh, your website or, or, or anything else that you got coming up. Yeah. So um, website's NicoleWagnerMusic.com. Can you spell that? I mean, I'm going to post it on the, the, the... It doesn't actually matter. Oh, really? Oh, you've bought, you bought all of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get close, you'll find it. <laughs> okay, cool. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Good strategy. The website's NicoleWagnerMusic.com. Um, music's on Spotify, iTunes, all those places that you can listen to music on the internet. Um, if you want to see really like where all of these songs came from in their tiny little baby form, my Patreon is first drafts. Um, and then as we add things and as we kind of get through the studio stuff, I've been updating people on like, here was the, the iPhone demo of plastic flowers when I wrote it. And like, here was, was the words then, and now this is what it's turned into. Um, so it's a cool place to really see this process unfold. And that's just patreon.com slash Nicole Wagner. Um, outside of that, Really just looking forward to getting back out there, um, playing more road shows next year, putting out this record. Yeah. All right. We'll be on the lookout for all that. So, Nicole, hey, I just want to say big thanks to coming on the show. I really appreciate you doing it. And it's great to hear what you've been up to and, and what's coming up in the future. Well, thanks for having me, David. You bet. You bet. 
All right. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, be sure to like and review the podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at David L. Coyle or on Facebook at Dave Coyle's Musical Extravaganza. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. And uh, if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. Ever since-